Last week, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and, and noting how we buffet our bodies, we discipline ourselves, and, and it's easy to get the impression that there is so much strength that we have in ourselves, and well, there is a sense in which we grow and we are strengthened um, in our faith and, and so on and so forth, but sometimes it's good to have a reality reality check of who we are in Christ and that's why we have this sermon this morning and we're starting by looking at a number of passages that I want you to see and this is just a small just a fraction of passages that let us know who we are and I want you to actually think about who is saying these things because I'm really focusing in Psalms and then we'll look at some other passages I mean not really look at them just note them um, before getting into the actual lesson itself but consider some of these passages. King David, attributed to most of the Psalms that, um, that are in what we call the book of Psalms and the ones that are up here, he's attributed to writing these things. And it is this king that says, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Imagine a king who has all earthly authority over his kingdom and his kingdom continues to grow, if you will, because of the battles and victories that, that, have, uh, that he's received. He says, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He also says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He goes on to say later on in Psalm 46, God is our refuge, not just mine, but our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And we can see numerous illustrations in the Old Testament scriptures where that was the case not only in his life but all throughout Israel's history Psalm 105 verse 4 look to the Lord and his strength seek his face always so not only does he say this happens to me and this is for all of us but I'm encouraging you to seek him this way so there's a number of passages that give us this point that God is my strength in fact a more, just another part of the sampling, but aside from the Psalms, you also see some of the prophets stating these very same words. So when you think about the statement in light of passages like Philippians 2 verse 12, and we'll look at that in just a second, um, where we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, and many other passages, it's sometimes helpful for us to look at these other texts that show us really who we are you take that strong muscle guy he's not all that strong when when he's having to stand before the Lord in judgment because it's not all about muscle strength and even then it's not much muscle strength I mean the strongest guy in the world not all that strong when you take take a few other people going against one person like that um, from a physical standpoint but here's the God who creates this universe that strength of that one person may be massive to us as individuals but it's next to nothing before our God we talk about people who have strong minds and strong wills making them great athletes or great entertainers or great uh, leaders of various sorts because of that strong will that they have and every single person the, the strongest of them break down at times because well my heart fails me you know my will at times gets broken. We get humbled because of life circumstances. I remember um, 
uh, this woman that Julie told me about um, that she was reading is a woman. She was a homeschooling mom, and, and she was giving various lectures to a lot of the women about raising of their children. I think she had a dozen children, if I'm not mistaken. Not all homeschoolers have that lot of children. Uh, but anyway, here is this woman, and all of her first 11 children were just perfect in behavior. So she had this formula. You do this, you'll raise the perfect child. Until child number 12 came along and turned her world upside down. The strongest of, of people, no matter what, you get humbled at some point and realize, man, I can't do this. I struggle. For a number of us, it's easy to see our failures. Most of us can see them, but sometimes it's easy to be reminded with regard to our walk with the Lord, with regard to our salvation. And so it's pretty clear when we see King David, he sees where his strength comes from. The prophets boldly proclaimed their strength was not in themselves, but of the Lord and in the Lord. And so what about us? If such was true for these mighty men of faith, and they were mighty men of faith, we can read, them, uh, read about them in Hebrews chapter 11. What of the New Testament Christian? When... We have the gift, if you will, we're told in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 of, of God's Spirit. And we saw this morning in our Bible class in a very, uh, very good study that, that we're having, a lot of great discussion. But what of the Christian today? You know, where's our faith? And where's our strength come from? And we're told in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, not that I speak in regard to, uh, to need, for I have learned that whatever state that I am in, to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that I can do all things because I got the tools now for it, per se, and look at me how great I am. My tools, if you will, or my tool is my Lord, my Savior, my, my everything. It is through Him that I have strength. It is through Him that I can do that which I would otherwise not be able to do. Think about it. Here's the Apostle Paul who was able to be left for dead, shipwrecked, jailed, mocked, ridiculed, and all kinds of other things that we can read in 2 Corinthians 11 about him or 12, uh, 11 or 12. And here he's saying, I can do all these things because it is Christ who strengthens me. I cannot see him doing any of these things without Christ. We're told in a number of passages that without God, we have no hope. Rulers. The greatest of men in this world, the greatest of women in this world, are nothing without God. And we're even told as New Testament Christians that here's the Apostle Paul. And he says, it is through Christ that I have these things. So how are we strong then in Christ? What does that look like to be strong in Christ? We can read of passages like Matthew chapter 5, right? Blessed are the meek. And we can say that it is when I am weak, then I am strong. But there are other passages, one particular, that says that we are weak in Christ. And, you know, so what does that mean 
Does it, is it contrary to being strong in Christ? What does that mean? Well, contextually, let's look at what it means to be strong in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to turn your Bibles there. I want you to note something about this passage that is given here that gives us insight into where our strength is and, and the humility that we have in light of this strength. So after the apostle tells them, here's how I want you to walk, chapter 4, right? Verse 1 following, walk worthy of the calling. Walk in love, walk in wisdom, walk in the spirit, chapter 5. Then he says here in chapter 6, after dealing with this concept of walking in, in the light and walking in wisdom, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his great might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not that your strength comes from yourself. And oftentimes, that's what I hear. Sometimes in our words, we're like, you know, how it's up to me. Like, I've heard this from, um, from brethren over the years. And one particular brother in mine, when he was going through, I mean, he, his sins were great. I mean, you get in trouble with the law, major sins. He was a deacon in this particular congregation. And he had done some, some really bad things, and, and it just really got him down because when he finally was confronted with the sin, I mean, it's just that depression came on, starts withdrawing from his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I remember having a um, talk with him, and he said, you know, when I get my act together and then. Have you ever thought that way or said some similar words? When I get myself together, then, whether it's, I'll come back to church, as the phrase goes. Or I will do such and such. That's not being strong in the Lord. That's being strong in yourself. And none of us before the Lord can be strong. We can act that way and maybe even be that way for a small moment in time. But when we get down to the reality of it, we need him for our very breath. I mean, it's by his grace that we get to breathe each day. It's by the power of his might that we can do the things that the world looks as, as crazy. When we stand for his cause and are willing to die for the name of Jesus. So it's not within us. It's not because... You get some theological degree, you get master's of, or you get your PhD in theology, or that you're some awesome Bible class teacher, that's why you're a strong Christian, although you can place that emphasis in yourself. But we go back to the reality. Solomon, the wisest of all, and he was brought down very easily. His Achilles heel at least, there was at least 700 of them. <laughs> Our strength doesn't come from us being so smart. Having all this knowledge in this book right here. There are many men who are great in the word of God. But not strong in the Lord. Our strength comes from God. And it is his armor that we're putting on. Right? I mean, that's what we just read. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor 
of God. It's God's armor we're putting on. We're taking up that which protects us, his armor, his shield, his shoes, his helmet of salvation, his breastplate of righteousness. It's his truth. And so we recognize biblically that it is through the strength of God that we are able to be strong in the Lord. And here's the reason why we need to be strong in the Lord. And then we'll get to the how part. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, verse 12. This past week was probably one of those times at every once in a blue moon... I get frustrated. Uh, this week, I almost reacted very quickly and changed the sermon after Wednesday, after I was having the sign put, or had Paul put the sign up, because of all that's going on with Target. Right? Who doesn't know about Target? Mark and Paul and Dennis. Okay, well, there's about five or six of you that raised your hand. Everyone else, I mean, some kids know about Target, what's going on. And I've been wondering whether or not I weigh in on this. I usually don't do it on social media. Uh, once in a while, there are prevalent issues that are facing um, what's going on in our country. This is one of those I thought, maybe I'll do a sermon next week then, just so I don't go over the top with what's going on today. But I see error on both sides of all this target. That's my pers personal perspective. Because sometimes we don't even see who we're battling against. Everything is misdirected. And by the way, Satan's really good at misdirection. He likes us to get preoccupied in certain things that we think are the main thing. And all they are are symptoms to a root cause. And that's what the father of lies does. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against Satan. Now... The front of Satan's ploys through men, and we can see through rulers, through laws, and so on and so forth. I get that. But the Apostle Paul made it very clear. It is not against flesh and blood. It is against Satan himself. It is against the wiles of the devil. And that's why we need to arm ourselves with the armor of God. And that's how we are able then to take down strongholds. Because we have this, right? We have God's word. The power of his gospel message that is able to save souls. And so when we can look at who we're battling against, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, how do you battle against that? I mean, lifting weights ain't going to help you. Martial arts isn't going to help. But putting on the armor of God being strong in the Lord, in His might, yet. Not only will it help, it'll cause everyone who trusts in Him to be victorious. So, here's the point then. This is what I want us to focus in on. This is the whole point of the lesson today. Um, and we'll see if we do that sermon about Target next Sunday. <laughs> We're taught... To discipline our bodies. That's what we see the Apostle Paul doing. He said, I discipline my body to bring it under subjection so that when I have preached to others, I myself would not become disqualified. That's what he says. 
and we extrapolate from that our need for discipline and for self-control that's part of our growing in faith there is something that we exercise in our end called faith that shows growth and maturity but it shows that we're putting our trust in him not in ourselves because we're growing in Christ we're growing in his grace we're growing in his knowledge we're putting on his armor and so when we're told to make our calling sure, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it is because we've put on the attributes of God's Spirit that we can read of in the earlier verses as well as it's explicitly being stated in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And we're told, as I'd mentioned earlier at the beginning of the lesson, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But how does that look or what does that look like? Well, notice what he says in Philippians 2, verse 13. We get the passage. Philippians 2, 12 is quoted so much. And Philippians 2, 13, most brethren overlook. Right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in us. And that's the whole reason why we're having this Bible study on the Holy Spirit. Who lives in us. How? I don't know. That he does? I accept by faith. That he does so mightily causes me to be in awe over what our God is able to do. Explicit passages in scripture that says God is our strength. He is working in us to do a mighty work to bring about his good pleasure. And so, let it be known that it is through the strength of our almighty God that we can be strong in Christ. It's not enough, brethren. It is for that reason we can read of passages about putting on Christ, about being strong when we are understanding, I'm strong because my strength is in Him. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because I'm not relying on myself. But I'm relying upon his strength. Because his strength is what gets me through this battle against Satan that we are up against. So with that said, I want you to consider who you are in Christ. Because there's a lot of passages that says things like we are filthy rags and so on and so forth. And other passages says we have all these riches and all these blessings and wonder, okay, which is it? What's well, both. But we have to have a proper perspective, a balanced perspective. So brethren, be strong in the Lord. I don't have the slide, but here's what I want you to focus in on then. As Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, if I'm not mistaken, to be strong in the grace of Christ. To be strong so that you can boldly proclaim His word. We were looking at that in the book of Acts this morning. That we can be strong in standing and for defending truth. I mean, imagine that. Having rulers tell you you cannot do something. And it's contrary to the will of God. And you put your strength in the Lord by praying to Him. And the Lord's strengthening you giving you the ability to do that which you would not want to do 
or feel that you could have done otherwise. That's how you get strong in the Lord. You, you put your trust in Him. What a great way for us to serve and walk with the Lord, brethren. And I'd encourage you, if you're not doing that, that this lesson be that, that invitation for you to come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ so that His power, His strength, His might would rule your heart and see what would happen to your life. Talk about transforming. It's beautiful. And it's a whole lot more powerful than any he-man here on earth. So consider your ways. If you are not a child of God, you need to die to yourself. And that picture is given in baptism where you die to sin, you die to that man of sin, and you're raised to walk in newness of life where the power of God can rule your heart. That only happens if you believe. But if you do believe, don't just sit there in the seat. Come forward. Wash away your sins. Put on Jesus Christ. And brethren, if you need our prayers, we'd be happy to pray with you. We love you. We want you so very much. I mean, we can't read each other's hearts. And so if you're struggling, we encourage you to come that we can pray for you. Take advantage right now. It's together we stand and sing the song of invitation.